That was great, guys. You guys did awesome. Wasn't that a great video? We love wildlife kids. LifePoint loves families. We love kids. We love young people. We got ministries for it. We're trying to expand that. One day, this will be our children's and our youth center, this building. Amen. Amen. Hey, uh, it, it, happy Father's Day to everybody. I want to say a couple things. Uh, thank you for praying for me and Valerie on Thursday as we spoke at camp, and God blessed it. It was a good time. Be in prayer this week for uh, Wednesday and uh, Thursday. I've got a part to play in it. Uh, our campers had a blast. That's what they told me, at least. Am I right, Teresa? They say, Brenda, say that to you. They told me they had a blast. But for, well, they also told me they loved what we had to say. They said we were, like, awesome. But, you know, they said camp was awesome, too. But uh, the kids did, uh, I'm telling you, if your kids have never been to youth camp, you need to send them next year. Uh, they've got, you know, young kids, junior high, high school. It's just amazing, even hyphen kids, because uh, we never want to quit going. I got, I'm 50 years old, and as I'm driving up to the campgrounds, I was getting excited. I'm like, it's camp time. <laughs> Woo, I love camp. And so it, it was because I was nervous because I had to speak to these junior high kids, which they intimidate me. They terrify me. But anyhow, uh, hey, I also want to say thank you, Jesus, for protecting Jake's store on the road this week. Had a bad wreck, and he's here. Like I said, we have a, a gift for all the fathers at the end of the service. Hey, and I might as well go ahead and say this. Congratulations to Tyler and Tori. Yeah, they just got engaged. We're proud of them. And they've got a crew representing their, their social credibility, their social cred, I realize is very, very, very high. They talk all these people to coming down and celebrating with them. And I'm impressed. Great to have the families here and, and friends. And uh, we're just so glad that you're here. Why don't you stand with me for uh, the reading of the word? We're going to go to Joshua chapter 1 today. And today on Father's Day Sunday, I'm launching a, a series from the Old Testament book of Joshua. And uh, this, this book of Joshua is a book of, of new beginnings, fresh starts. It's, it's a book of forward movement and progress. It shows us that if we'll move in the direction God instructs, then he will honor our faithful obedience with, with supernatural power to help us go where he's called us to go. And it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't matter what gets in our way if he goes with us because he'll fight our battles for us. He'll do what needs to be done. And it's, um, I, I think this is, this is going to fit for fathers, but I think it's for our church, and I think it's for everyone in the, in the room today. So Joshua chapter 1, <clears throat> we're going to start with verse number 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your feet or your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. 
No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you to do, to not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. Verse 8, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Everybody say your mouth. But you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do it according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So let's pray. I'm going to preach a message entitled, The Joshua Generation. Father, I thank you so much for your word. I pray that you would speak to our hearts in the next few minutes, God. Anoint me to speak. Anoint us to hear. God, go beyond our minds and hit our hearts and our spirits, God. And I give you praise for this in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. God bless you. You may be seated. The Joshua Generation. Joshua was in his late 30s when Moses came rumbling into Egypt like a freight train, making demands, speaking on behalf of God himself. Joshua witnessed firsthand the ten plagues, including that dramatic tenth plague, which was the first Passover. And it all happened through Moses. All of this took place through Moses. Joshua saw God... Uh, the presence of God as a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night and, and that firewall of protection that stood between the children of Israel and the armies of Pharaoh. He saw the parting of the Red Sea, astounding miracles, and it all happened through Moses. About two and a half weeks after crossing the Red Sea in number 17, Amalek attacked Israel, and Moses appointed Joshua to lead Israel into battle. And Joshua won. He won that battle, but he only won that battle because Moses was on the side of a mountain looking over the battle, and he had his hands up and stretched out, and he would get tired, and he would want to lower them. And when he lowered them, the Amalekites would begin to advance on Israel. And so Aaron and Hur held up his hands, and and Joshua gained the victory. But it was only because Moses had his hands raised. Joshua ascended to the highest base camp on Mount Sinai and waited for six days until God called Moses to summit. Joshua had a, a ringside seat as Moses talked to God face to face received the Ten Commandments, and that mountain lit up like a Roman candle and and shook and quaked. It all happened because of Moses. Joshua saw phenomenal displays of God's power and glory, and it was all tied to one man, this man, Moses. In our reading, God states the obvious. Verse 1, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, 
Moses' assistant, Moses' servant, saying, listen to this, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, wouldn't you think Joshua was well aware of this fact? You would think that Moses, being like a father to Joshua, a mentor to Joshua, when he died, Joshua knew it. Moses was 40 years older than Joshua. Before Joshua was born, Moses was a prince in Egypt. Before Joshua was born, Moses had already come to realize, I am really not an Egyptian. I am a Hebrew. Before Joshua was ever born, Moses had already tried to do something about it, murdered an Egyptian and fled until into the wilderness. While Joshua was learning how to walk and learning how to talk and going through his teenage years and his 20s and his 30s, Moses was tending sheep on the backside of nowhere. While Joshua was making bricks for Pharaoh, Moses was talking to a burning bush. While Joshua was building the city of Ramesses, Moses was on holy ground haggling with God about an exit strategy for the children of Israel. Joshua had probably never even met any of Egypt's royal family. Moses was Egypt's royal family. Joshua had only heard stories about the murder of the Hebrew baby boys, but Moses was one of those baby boys who miraculously survived that massacre and was raised by Pharaoh's daughter in Pharaoh's house. Moses had lived an amazing, exotic, epic life defined by the hand of God and the power of God. Joshua had learned so much from Moses. And in our reading, God drives home the point. Hey, Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead. He served me well. He trained you well, but he's gone. He's not coming back. Moses will not be telling you what to do, Joshua. Moses will not be getting a hold of God for you, Joshua. Moses will not be working miracles for you, Joshua. Moses will not be helping you get out of a jam from now on, Joshua. You're going to have to, to walk through this life without Moses. And from now on, you're going to have to learn to do some things for yourself. Now, I've got a, a, a word for this church, and I've, it's going to apply to some fathers here in the house today. But again, like I said, I believe it applies to us all. Here's some application. This is a new day. Everybody say, this is a new day. It, it's, a, it's a day of new beginnings, fresh starts, forward movement, progress. I feel this so strongly. Uh, we're, we're not able uh, to, to lean on yesterday anymore. The, we're not able to lean on, on, on some of us, our parents, our grandparents, for their spiritual strength and guidance forever. We, that, that generation, it, it's dropping off the scene. Leaning on that, it's not possible anymore. We just buried Mimi yesterday. Uh, a very moving funeral. Uh, Jack is no longer with us, Miss Cynthia. Uh, Russell, we buried JR uh, a few years back. Uh, 
Nick, your, your stepdad, we, we lost him. Uh, uh, others across this building, we've lost people. We've lost fathers, pastors, mentors. Uh, uh, and, and, and there are some of us in this room, we're not going to be here forever. All of us are not going to be here forever uh, is the bottom line. Somewhere down the line, this is what I'm trying to say. We've got to take responsibility for our own lives. Somewhere down the line, we've got to take responsibility for our own self. Somewhere down the line, we've got to take responsibility for our, 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 our families. We've got to draw the lines and make the tough calls because Moses can't do it for us anymore. If it's going to be done, it's going to be you. If your kids are going to believe this Jesus stuff, you're going to have to teach them. Dad, mom, if they're going to buy into this, you're going to have to say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord like Joshua would be going to say. Amen? It's going to take us. The Lord continued to talk to Joshua in verse 2. I'm talking about the Joshua generation. Notice what he said. Now... Therefore, and the implication is, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, since Moses is gone, arise. And the implication is, you arise. Now, therefore, that Moses is gone, you arise, Joshua. Go over this Jordan and all this people to the land which I am giving them to the children of Israel. He was saying, Joshua, you are going to have to pioneer into promises that even your mentor dreamed of but never experienced for himself. Now this previous generation pioneered, did some incredible things. In this scripture, the Moses generation resisted Pharaoh, defied the gods of Egypt. They were a generation that walked in faith. The Moses generation fought Amalek, drank water from a rock, ate manna from heaven, received the Ten Commandments, saw miracles, signs, and wonders, even battled giants. But the Joshua generation had to face seven nations that the Moses generation never faced, all bigger and badder than Israel was, more than they could handle, and something the previous generation never addressed. The Joshua generation had to dispossess these enemies and possess a land that the Moses generation never possessed. The Joshua generation had to learn how to sow and reap and plant and harvest because they lost the manna from heaven, it ceased. So let me bring it down to where we live and our level. I'm going to try to do my best with that. Here in America, there's a generation, the greatest generation. There are those that dealt with World War I. They're gone. And then we still have some from World War II. There are others who dealt with Korea, <clears throat> Vietnam, the 60s, the social upheaval of the 60s, sex, drugs, and rock and roll that came on like gangbusters, and and those were tough customers. But what the Joshua generation is facing, hear me, is next level. It's the full-grown offspring of that stuff 
from back in the 60s and 70s. It's college campuses that are passionately hateful, passionately, vehemently against all things truly Christian. It's high schools and junior high schools and elementary schools out of control, filled with violence and perversion. Does anybody hear what I'm saying? Church, even cool church, has become uh, 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 out, and what's become in is a highly personalized and subjective spiritualism. The Bible is out, and and feeling, how I feel is in, emotions are in, and as Christians and as fathers and as families, we have to learn how to pioneer into these old, these areas that our, our predecessors never had to go. This is a different day. Do you hear what I'm saying? And we can't put our heads in the sand and we can't reminisce nostalgically about that previous generation. We have to forge ahead. We've got to roll up our sleeves and find a way. Hallelujah. We have to find a way. We've got to figure out how to reach this world. The first church, they learned how to reach their world. I can't win their world, but I got to figure out how to reach this world. This is my generation. People wonder, why do you do what you do in church planting? I've told you before, we take up offerings because it's very expensive. You know, when people say, Man, you guys talk about money a lot. We really don't, but if you think we do, you go start a church. I bet you talk about money more. Right, Brother Barber? I bet you talk about money more. Hey, it's, it's expensive. But beyond that, though, we try to structure church in such a way. Hear me. and We got some new folks here. Let me, let me, let me give you some instruction here. We do what we do, not to pat church people on the back. And give us a good feeling about what we think church ought to be and, and get nostalgic about previous moves of God, past moves of God. We structure what we do here at LifePoint to reach people who don't know Jesus at all. Everything we're trying to do is trying to get people to Jesus and Jesus to people. And so everything, I mean, Jesus, people, mission, it's what makes us tick. It's why we do small groups. It's why we do Discover Life. It's why we do the service the way we do it. It's why we do the music the way we do it. It's why we dress the way we dress. We are trying to reach people who don't know anything about Jesus. I'm not trying to get people from the church across town. I'm not trying to get other believers. If God sends them, hallelujah. But I'm after the lost. It's generational. The problems we have are generational. I was born in 1966. It's the previous generation and my generation that has raised kids that are jacked up in their thinking, in their emotions, their own drugs. And I don't just mean illegals, their own scripts. This got them a little. How do we reach this generation? I don't have all the answers, but we're the Joshua generation that has to figure it out. We got to find out how to reach this generation. We got to find a way to connect. 
we got to find We are the Joshua generation. Everybody say, I am the Joshua generation. Now, here's how we're going to do it. We're going to do it. It's a new day, but we're going to use the same word. It's going to be the same God. It's going to be the same power. It's just a different environment. I can't go back and hit the 50s and 60s or 70s and 80s or 90s and 2000s. I have to reach this world, millennials, post-Christian society, shallow church, spiritual people. I've got to find a way. We have to pioneer. So how do we do it? What does that look like? Number one, here's how it looks. Joshua lingered in the presence of God. Exodus 33, 9 through 11. And it came to pass when Moses entered the tabernacle that the pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle. And the Lord talked with Moses. It was this constructed facility right outside the camp. And and Moses went and talked to God. This fire of God stood there at the door. All the people saw the pillar of clouds standing at the door. And all the people rose and worshipped each man at his tent door. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And he would return to the camp. But his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man. Now he was already 40. Thank, thank you, Lord. Everybody's like 40 years old, a young man, 40. He's, the Bible says you're a young man. He's a young man. Now, he lived to be 110, I believe it was 110, 120, something like that. So you got, you know, you got, you got to go that far, too. He was a young man. Notice, a, a young man did not depart from the tabernacle. He wasn't looking to beat the Baptist to Piccadilly, right? He chose to linger. He chose to linger. Church has become too programmed. I'm going to preach to you just for a few minutes. It's only 10.58. I still got like an hour and a half left. I'm talking about lingering in the presence of God, man. It'll be me. It'll be me and God, won't it? <laughs> Even Mama's gonna leave, right? <laughs> Church is too programmed. What we have ended up doing in the modern church is we have programmed out the moving of the Holy Spirit because it takes time. We have to give some space for the Holy Spirit to move. Is conditioning ourselves, preparing ourselves, and waiting on the Lord. We have five-minute altar calls, if we even have them at all in the modern church. Here at LifePoint even, man, it's, you feel the rush. It, it's all about, it seems to me, that it's all about, especially in North American church, it's all about cramming as many people as you can into a building and, and, and then... Turn around and get them right back out. And if you do multiple services, which we're looking at having to do something like that, and, and that's one of the problems I have with it. It's like you, you cram them all in, wham, bam, you do your thing, 
and you send them out and you pull in the next group. And you can say, wow, look how many people we had. Now, I am all about quantity. We count numbers because people count. We count people because people count. So I'm not against counting people. The more, the merrier. Those numbers tell us if we're being effective or not. But it's not just about quantity. It's about quality. And quality is not those blue, beautiful can lights And it's not that graphic, and it's not about getting a better screen, although I want one, or a better projector, although I want one, or or doing other things. That's not the quality I'm talking about, because you can have all that and go to hell. It's about having a move of God. It's about giving the Holy Spirit room to breathe. Time is like oxygen to fire to the Holy Spirit. We've got to give the Holy Spirit room to operate and to move, and that takes time. If we want to move forward, we're going to, have to, we're going to need the power of the Holy Spirit, and we've got to cultivate an atmosphere of lingering in the presence of God. Joshua wasn't content with Moses going in that place and getting those moments with God. Joshua wanted that. And he lingered, even when Moses walked out, Joshua lingered, I want that. And Joshua would lead and pioneer where Moses didn't. Part of the reason was, he spent time in the presence of God. I don't know if you caught that, but time to the Holy Spirit is like oxygen to fire. It's fuel you got to give God time. you got to wait. The old timers used to talk about waiting on the Lord, tarrying for the Holy Spirit. You just wait. You just wait. You just wait. You just give the Holy Spirit time. You stay concentrated. You stay focused. You keep your mind on the Lord. You, you keep your spirit open, and you keep the world out. And you just spend time. You just spend time. You just you just wait on the Lord. Some some of those old timers around the front, you know, like as a kid, I remember I'm ready to go, and they say, "Come on, church, let's just wait on the Lord. Let's just wait." Some of the greatest moves that God ever had came. It was the afterburner. Like the the cotton candy stuff was like, "Woo, this is awesome. Let's go eat." But then you stuck around and you waited because the wisdom of some of those elders, let's wait, let's wait, let's wait. And then a deep and powerful move that would alter destinies in the direction of life. It came from waiting on the presence of God. Not, hey, we're going to need you guys to go ahead and leave. We got the next crew coming in. It's like, let's give this thing time for God to move and have and convict people of their sins and tell them some direction on how I can get my kid off that uh, off those drugs and off that alcohol. Get figure out that next step in, in my finances. Figure out that reconciliation with my spouse. Get some direction from God about the oh, my the sin in my own life. Because sometimes you can skip right over all that and and skip right out of the door, never having repented, having been in the presence of God. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, in the presence of God, where where that that you let the Spirit flow and convict and change. That's what's happening in our in our in our local our, our modern church, our North America. And I don't want that to happen at Life Point. We are the Joshua generation. 
I don't have the answers. Uh, parents come up to me and ask me questions about reaching kids. I'm 50 years old. They're asking me to speak at camp. Man, like I said, these kids terrify me. What they're dealing with, I don't relate. I'm trying to relate, but I don't relate. It's a different day. It's a different world. But I'm part of that Joshua generation, and i got to lead them, and I need some wisdom from God. I need to wait on the presence of God to get that direction so that our campus ministries, Alex, can be more effective, and, and so that our, our, our you know, student ministries, Brendan and Lizzie, can be more effective. I want to wait on the presence of God. Get some wisdom that didn't come from a book, right? I mean, other than this Bible. Uh, wisdom that didn't come from, you know, the, the latest fad. Are you with me? Yes. Hallelujah. Wait on the presence of God. Wait on the presence of God. And I'll tell you, another way to cultivate that is hunger after that. Like, like just hunger, just just hunger after that. Um, don't be content with the shallow. People give up on church too quick. Uh, people just give up on church. It makes me sad when, when people quit coming to church. I've got to be honest with you. Like, it makes me sad. I'm, I, I, get, I get sad. I reach out. I want to know why, you know. And it makes me sad. But here's what I have found. Like, We've, we've, got, we've got to realize there's more to church than just coming in here and sitting on a chair and being entertained by good music and a speaker, and maybe I've got a few jokes here and there, uh, and, and like that was a good message, that was a good sermon. You know, people hold up scar, scorecards, that's what I feel like sometimes, you know, that's like, a five, you know. <laughs> wow, really studied hard for that one. Hey, that was a nine, thinking. I didn't study at all for that one. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I, but, you know, like, like just, you know, it, 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 the, the, the expectation from church, it, I, I want to create an environment, a culture that we expect a powerful move of God. Ask, seek, knock. Well, I didn't get it. Well, the, the, that, that's in a, a continuing way. Keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. Keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. You know, pe- people will say, uh, well, man, if he's a chronic seeker of the Holy Spirit, not been baptized, speaking in tongues, like, there's a problem there. He's a chronic seeker. That's a term we, we've thrown around. They're a chronic seeker. I get it. I understand maybe there's some instruction that an individual might need to break through. But on the other hand, hey, at least they're seeking. At least they're saying, I think there's more. I, I hope there's more. I'm, I'm reaching for more. I'm asking, seeking, knocking for more, Lord. I'm looking for more. Like, Get your eyes off, just, just, I bring my family to church, I hold my kids, uh, I send them off to Sunday school and we go out to eat. Get your eyes on this, God has something to say to me, there's something God wants to do in my life and, and I'm not content just to, to play these games, either it's real or it's not. Put some ultimatums down, either it's real or it's not God, get a hold of me and change me and linger in the presence of the Lord. Another thing you can do is worship. He inhabits the praises of his covenant people. Now, if you've been born again, you a covenant person. You get in that presence of God by entertaining that presence. Listen, I found that even if you're not uh, uh, born again of water and spirit, you just like the rocks start crying out, blessed be the name of the Lord, and he's all over that, right? He's all, just begin to praise 
and worship Him. And teach your kids to do that. So often we want our kids on fire for God. And we want to be lukewarm and cool, you know. I'm tired, man. I've been working 40, 50, 60 hours. I'm just, everybody ought to thank me for being here. Instead of saying, oh, it's a privilege and an honor to be among your people, Lord. I don't deserve to be in this house. But as for me and my house, we're going to worship the Lord. I'm going to teach my kids. I'm going to model and mentor for my kids how to dance before the Lord and how to be uninhibited in my praise and my worship. Worship. Demonstrate that to your babies. Come on, give them some praise right now. Can you do it? This is good. This is good. Teach them to be a worshiper. Teach them to be grateful. Father, I'm grateful. Thank you, Lord. Even in the, in the bad times, when times are tough, especially, show them how to be grateful. Father, I, I, I'm asking you for this, for, for, for you to heal this person or to touch this situation. But, Lord, I want you to know, no matter what, I give you praise. I don't deserve to come this far, Lord. I don't deserve the cross 2,000 years ago. I don't deserve anything. But I'm grateful for everything you've done. Lord, teach your babies that. So when things don't go like they think they ought to go, they don't throw in the towel. Teach them. Show them. We stick. This is the Joshua generation. Everybody say the Joshua generation. Here's another way you can do it. Linger in the presence of God. Second thing, Joshua 1.8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Here's the second way. Joshua walked in the word. He had a relationship with the word of God. I like to put it that way, you know. People are like, have you read? I, I loved it. I l- used to live in North Louisiana. And, and I, my good Baptist friends would say all the time, you know, especially North Louisiana, especially white North Louisiana Baptists. I might get in trouble for saying this, and this is on the podcast. I forget those things. But they would say, have you received Christ? Have you received Christ? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Have you received Christ? I'm like, who's Christ? What? Christ. So we have this idea of, well, do you have your own personal relationship with Jesus Christ, right? That's, that's the idea. You have a personal relationship. So we think of this, man, i got to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Do you really want to develop a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Develop a personal relationship with the Word. He is the Word made flesh, after all. Get in the Word. The Joshua generation has a relationship with the Word. Joshua learned the Word, walked in the Word. And that Word relationship complemented his own life experiences, and his experiences in the presence of God. People get crazy wacko out of balance when they have experiences and no word. And I don't even need to give examples, but I could, you know. I I saw something, God told me this, 
and it's totally contrary to what the Bible says. They have no idea because they don't know the Bible, but they put more credence. If you tell them what the Bible says this, they're like, well, God told me this. Really? That wasn't God. If you have a relationship with the Word, then anything He tells you perfectly lines up with the Word. And your experiences, you know, they're biblically based. There's a foundation for them. Speaking in tongues is not demonic like some say, some crazy contrived thing made up by man. It's a God idea and there's Bible for it. And people say, I've never experienced that, so it must not be Bible. Maybe it's Bible that you've yet to believe. What? Possibly? Could it be? Could it be? Well, possibly, yes. Yes. Those experiences need to line up with the word. We're bringing back P52. It's coming back. That's our process, 52, where it's a system to help us all get into the word as a church. Here's another way you can get in the word. You can get in the word by coming to church. This is good preaching. Oh, my goodness. This Way better than I thought it was going to be. Put yourself in my shoes. You preach all the time, you know. Go to church. Don't stay out of church. Go to Why? It's a church that's going to preach the word. Now, if I'm up here just telling Aesop's fables and showing, you know, movies, well, forget it, you know. You can do that on date night or something, you know. Like, I'm sure you're going to go hear Aesop's fables on date night, but... You weird people, but but but, <laughs> but go to church where the word is being proclaimed and preached and get your kids involved in wildlife kids and in young life because the word is going out there. Get get it. the Joshua generation has to get in the word. And here's why why? Because your your babies aren't gonna get this at school. Your babies aren't gonna get this from Television, the internet, video games, their peers, Hollywood, and, and 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 let me just say this too: get them to church, but the church can't undo what you do at home. Not always. Lead by example. Uh, lead in prayer in the home. Lead in the Word in the home. Learn to talk the language of Scripture and the Word, and let your kids know we have a relationship with God. My Lord, that, that goes outside of that building at Airline and Daigle, kids. This is epic. It's bigger than Airline and Daigle. It's us and the God who created the universe. Babies, we have a relationship with him. He's real. And he wants to move in your life. And we can change our world. You bring up babies like that, they're game changers. They're world changers. They're not going to sit by and just fall like cordwood to the teaching of their college professors. They'll stand up and say, I'm going to give you what you want back so I can get an A. But I know the truth of the matter. There's one hero, Israel. The Lord our God is one Lord. And I worship him with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Come on, give him some praise. Joshua generation. Hallelujah. Stand with me right now. Stand with me all across the building. I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but the flag on the right sleeve of a soldier or service member in uniform 
that flag is reversed. I have a picture of it. Have you ever noticed that? It's, it's, it's reversed. It's opposite. Have you ever wondered why? Some of you, maybe you do know why. Army Regulation 670-1. Wear an appearance of Army uniforms and insignia. Says that when authorized for application to the proper uniform, the American flag patch is to be worn right or left shoulder so that the star field faces the flag's own right. So on that right shoulder... It's reversed, and that star fill is facing the flag's own right. And the reason why is because the star field is the front of the flag. And the flag is to always be displayed facing forward and never in retreat. And we are an army. That God is raising up. Hallelujah. I don't know how to change this world. I do not have a formula on how to reach this religious, dope crazed, nutty, spiritual, crazed world. I don't know. I don't have the game plan. But I know the responsibility rests on me and on you, and God is raising up an army that does not ever retreat. We've got a blood-stained banner, and we are always facing forward into the battle, taking it a step at a time. Father, I'm listening for your voice, and I'm walking in your word, and I'm going to share your word because you said that we should take this gospel to the ends of the earth. And Lord, I don't know what the the, the game plan is uh, for tomorrow, but I'm going to hear your voice today. And you're going to raise up an army that never retreats. We are not to hide in the woods. We're not to go, you know, get on a remote island somewhere. We have a mandate. We are salt and light. We can't be in this shaker. We got to get out of this shaker. We can't be on some island out there. We got to get in the society and let our influence be felt. We can never retreat. We can never back down. He's coming back for a church that's not defeated, but one without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. A glorious church that's made herself ready, and she is effective in the last days. Perilous times will come, but in the last days, saith God, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Hallelujah. Now, here's what I want us to do today. This is, this is I'm wanting to challenge some of you fathers to take this to heart. I mean, like, with the... With all the gender junk that's going on in the world and all the shifting and changing, it's just crazy, crazy. With all of that, our fathers, listen, I'm so proud of you, men of your house, men of the house, priests of the family, all those terms, that idea, that man that follows after God. Loves his family, loves his God, loves his family, loves his wife. That, that kind of stuff, man, that, that's, that's a challenge in today's world with all the junk that's coming out. I'm proud of you for making that stand and loving your family. I want to challenge you, though. Take it further. Take it deeper. It's not just, you know, 
coming through those doors. I'm glad you do. We'll be patient with you. We're going to love you. You know, wouldn't you think it'd be time to maybe get on your face and say, I want to go further, Lord, than I've ever gone before. Because it's going to take that to reach your kids in this world. Amen. Close your eyes with me right now. Father, Father, I preach with conviction, passion, as best I could. And I felt, Lord, just a, a, a conviction in my own heart to take it outside the four walls. God, I pray that you would put that in other people's hearts, Lord. Let us go further. Let us go deeper. This Joshua, Joshua generation has a job to do. And we've got to linger in your presence and we've got to dig into your word. And I pray that you would just help us to know that.